Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, hello, everybody. It's so glad that uh, I'm coming into your cars or into your living rooms or wherever you're at right now for another edition of Men on the Hearts podcast. Last episode, we had on uh, Father J.J. Mack. He is the rector of our cathedral here and just really a patron of the arts. He had a lot to say about how God and beauty uh, work so well together that it is a transcendental, you would say that, uh, Father David, right? Maybe. I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Beauty is a transcendental. Yeah, and, and how how we can use beauty uh, as a way in which we can bring God to other people. It's certainly how I came to know God and actually how to know my vocation as I was making my own artwork. So it was great to have that conversation uh, with him. Today, though, today is a different day. It's a good day. <laughs> We're doing something different today. So we actually don't have on a priest today. We have uh, a younger gentleman on. I don't know how old he is, but uh, we can maybe ask that. <laughs> His name is Mr. John Pratt. Mr. John Pratt is married to Father David's sister, Valerie. And That's we right. thought it would be a good idea to compare and contrast uh, fatherhood, both from the priesthood standpoints and uh, paterfamilias of the family there, and to uh, kind of see what it was like, and and also how you discern, because I know you discerned sort of um, both vocations and how you chose to uh, be married to Father David's uh, sister Valerie. So yes, welcome, yes. Uh, Mr. John Pratt. Thank you, Father Craig and Father David. It's good to be with you all. It's good good to be with you too. You know, I I think our listeners know I have seven sisters, no brothers second oldest. So I prayed for a brother for a long time. Uh, John was the first, uh, the first brother-in-law I acquired. Um, and so, so it was, uh, we hit it off very well from the beginning and he's become just like, uh, like a brother to me. So it's good, good to be with you today, John. Yeah. You guys, are, did you run the marathon with him? Are you the marathon runner or is that with someone yes. else? Yes. 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 Yeah, that yeah. was, that was John. He, he beat me. He, his time was a bit better than mine. So. Well, John, he, he was, um, he was worried the first time you ran because uh, he kind of outran you on a test run or something like that. And then <laughs> something happened where yeah. like something fire lit under you and then you just smoked him and well, he I, couldn't catch up afterwards. I think, I think he didn't have food that first time, if I'm remembering right. And uh, and John, John needs food to operate probably even more than some other individuals I know. That is very true. And, uh, Are you like a hobbit? Marathon running, <laughs> yes. And marathon running is an art I've still yet to master. And just the nutrition for long distance uh, sporting, like endurance sports, yeah. uh, is a challenge. And uh, it, it, I think it has amazing tie-ins with the spiritual life. I've learned a lot from how quickly a good lunch fades when you're going for a two-hour <laughs> excursion on a bike yeah. or a run, yeah. Yes. You got to buy that yeah. goo. Have you ever tried the goo? Yeah. 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 But you know, John uh, John is not primarily a runner. He's actually a, a cyclist. And you did some, some cycling at Notre Dame, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so I did uh, collegiate racing at the University of Notre Dame. It's a club sport uh, at most, most colleges. Uh, so I got to race around, like, the Midwest in particular, do some national championship races. Uh, the mountains were hard for me. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, they were beautiful as I faded behind everybody else. <laughs> um, and then I did some events on the professional road tour as an amateur. Um, and so I got to race against low level pros. Um, and, uh, uh, Did pretty the, good in one of those races, if I remember the story, right? Yeah, yeah. I f finished in the top third, so That's I got so an cool. honorable nice. mention by the announcer. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You have, like, a, a trailer that, like, follows you around while you're cycling? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that level. No. No. That's good. Well, John, it's it's really great to have you on. Um, you usually start off with a little bit about, like, just a blessing in your life, something that's mm -hmm. going on that you'd like to share with all of us. Uh, just to kind of keep it light and fresh as we begin. Great. Uh, so I'll start with two. Two? Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. And the first would be um, my three-year-old son and his little sister. They're so cute when they interact with each other. So Joseph and Gianna. And uh, my little three-year-old son, he says the cutest things. And uh, the other day, he looked at me and says, Daddy, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but it, it's really cute to hear. Uh, and then the other day, I I'd bought my wife a pair of uh, new winter boots for this cold time. And he looks at them and he goes, they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those moments are really precious as a as a dad and as a husband to like watch your kids grow up and then to hear like the kindness uh, just being shared even by someone so young as as Joseph is. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great blessing. And then on the way over to record today, uh, I was blessed. Um, we uh, father was called in to do an anointing, and so I got to pray along with. Uh, someone as they're preparing to meet the Lord and uh, that's probably a daily occurrence or somewhat frequent occurrence for priests uh, yeah. yeah all of you and for me it's, it might be the first time I've ever witnessed that been been a part of that and uh, so it's just a beautiful experience of just like the Lord's mercy and like hearing the prayers like Lord, send a priest when I'm dying I'm gonna need it so <laughs> uh, anyway it's just a beautiful moment for me uh, to just watch the Lord working through yeah. Well, as you know, uh, isn't one of the promises of praying a rosary daily is that you will be afforded the sacraments before you pass away? I th I, that sounds right. I think so. I right. think so. Yeah. So pray the rosary if you want a priest <laughs> to come to you <laughs> at the end no. of your life. <laughs> That's awesome that you got to see that and to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah it's a common occurrence for, for us priests and not me lately as a vocation director, but I would say sure. once or, or twice a week usually to go to the hospital or a nursing home and even to people's houses and to anoint them. And I always like doing anointings. I think um, it's a holy moment. And um, I always felt, I don't know, blessed as I left wherever mm -hmm. I yeah. was when I did an anointing. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Anything going on with you, Father David? Oh, not much. This Advent season is not busy for priests or anything. <laughs> no, I think um, a blessing of the past month for me um, has actually been what we've been doing lately, and that's just going through hearing the school confessions. And uh, similar to, to anointings, it's just it's a it's a sacrament where you get to see like the great mercy of God in action, and especially these little kids, you know, coming. Oh, well, little kids and high schoolers. Um, and just 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 encountering the the love of God there, it's it's very humbling and honoring as a priest to just watch watch that happen before your eyes. Hmm. Which is kind of interesting, you know. You're mentioning John about your kids and and the stuff that they say and they do. And I, I think as a priest, especially if there's school with the young kids or even young parishioners, you get to 
see see that growth in them, especially when it, when it's at mass and parents would come up to me after mass and say, you know, my three-year-old son pointed to you and said, that's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, when I'm conferring the sacrament, yeah, that is kind Jesus, you know, so it's, it's really cool. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, I, I didn't get to mention uh, last time with Father JJ, and I, I just, I, th- I thought it was interesting, and, and maybe it can tie in somewhere later on, but... Um, mm-hmm. Just every time I've always went to a museum, there's always been like an ache in my heart, you know, like I love beauty and I love seeing artwork. And, and sometimes it's almost as if when I would walk around, I'd see something and I just I want to take it inside of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I want this. And you like leave the museum sad that you don't have it. And, you know, it'd be kind of cool if they say, hey, you could take one thing out of the wall. Mm-hmm. What would you take? You know, and I yeah. would think of what I would take home but still it wouldn't be enough right like I think for us sometimes like when we want to be one with something we want to like have it you know and then I always realize that if you know beauty points to God Mm. the one thing that I can take inside of me is the Eucharist and Mm. and it's such a a reminder of how God wants to be one with us you know, and yeah. I go back to the story of Narnia where Jill is uh, met Aslam for the first time and she's scared and she says, you know, do you eat little girls? <laughs> and he says, yes, I eat little girls and little boys, kings and queens and mm. how the Eucharist really envelops us and, and turns mm. us into God. And in fact, that we become divinized, you know, so that when we do meet our maker, you know, we'll be totally one with him in the trinity you know with him mm. you know not gods unto ourselves but you know one with god so mm-hmm. i just wanted to mention that i didn't get a chance to say that last time and i just yeah. i just think that's really cool that's beautiful that's beautiful have you been to the detroit museum of art here in in town oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah. that's one of my favorite things to do for like vacations just go to different towns and hit out the different museums because they're all over the place and you know there's oh, yeah. some hidden gems in some places Father Craig is, is a bit of an artist himself, actually. So, uh, yeah. I am Next not. to God through beauty. <laughs> nor, nor, nor I. Nor I. That's um, not true, Father David. I mean, you, you made our altar. Uh, you know how to... A craftsman of craftsman. sorts. I, I, I draw a distinction, though, between someone who can build something and someone who can just, like, create, like, a beautiful image on a, on a canvas. That's, uh, to me, that's, those are distinct arts because I, I cannot draw to save my life. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I um, I gave up YouTube for Advent. Oh, good for I, you. Yeah, I watch way too much YouTube. So <laughs> I gave it up, and I'm kind of going through withdrawals. And, and <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I stare at my phone, and I'm looking at my phone, and I like I click on a couple apps, and I'm like, I, I want to click on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I realize I don't use my phone as much anymore because yeah. <laughs> it was really a lot of just YouTube videos. So I actually started watching uh, The Chosen again. I've watched oh, it before sure. because the new episodes are coming out. And uh, the third episode where he's just kind of working on some stuff and, and he made a lock and, and key out of wood and he oh. said he's a craftsman. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. When, it, when it worked, he said, it is good. Yeah. And I, just, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like when God creates, it yeah. is good. You yeah. know, so it's good. Made me think a little bit about you, Father David, wow, with the woodworking. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, so, Father Craig, we haven't asked you yet. Have you had any blessings this past month? Any, anything going on? Just living life. Just living life? Just living life. That's good. Yeah, nothing good. nothing out of the ordinary. Just Sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Mr. John Pratt, 
we'd love to hear your vocation story and how you came to be married to Father <laughs> David's sister. <laughs> The, well, the, the Odyssey of John Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for listening and having me on. Uh, and I guess first things is like all through the grace of the Lord. And uh, my story is intimately linked with my family. I'm mm -hmm. the third of nine children. Uh, we were homeschooled. We actually did the same homeschool program as Father David and his family. Seton Home Studies. Yeah, that's, that's good, <laughs> tough. You learn a lot. Yeah. Um, you have traumatic flashbacks. So. <laughs> is it classical model and everything? Uh, not not necessarily. No, it's it's heavily like really like English based. E English I would say. history. Yeah. yeah um, religion. Yeah. You get like four religion books every year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> they make sure yeah. you know that your Catholic faith. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, growing up, so I was first five were boys. So we we did tons of sports growing up and. Uh, so my identity and just my understanding of like life and family and church was just like intimately linked with my family and uh there's so many good memories and my, my siblings and i just had a great time um and uh we'd often go to daily mass we'd uh sometimes it kind of depend on the season of life say daily rosary or other things like that and during the season of advent try to do evening prayer my mom like li loves and lives the liturgical year <laughs> and so she'd be like today is the feast of saint bonaventure or whatever and you're like how do you know all this but she you know she'd do the liturgy the hours when she could um and so she just kind of imbued within us a love of the faith a love of the liturgical year yeah i love that i used to tell my parishioners like hey it's a feast day <laughs> it's lent yeah but it's yeah. a feast day so you should go get a slurpee and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all the parents would be mad at me be like my kids want to go get a slurpee <laughs> like go get it then yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh so so many uh just good things there and then i was also blessed with many uh, good priests in my life and seminarians coming to our various parishes. I grew up in rural Georgia. We, we were the middle of nowhere and then somewhere came and found us. Like that, we were one mm. of the fastest growing counties down in like the Archdiocese of Atlanta wow. um, in like late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah, so my parish, we were very involved, helped with music ministry. I altar served uh, regularly. I love doing that. Uh, we got to, you know, altar serve for the Archbishop down there at various mm. events. And um, I particularly loved diocesan event or archdiocesan events. So they'd have like a Eucharistic Congress where we go to priestly ordinations because we get to know some of the seminarians, mm -hmm. go to chrism masses, jubilee masses, whatever it was. And I really felt connected to the church in a particular way at those like archdiocesan events where I got to see priests from all over. And my mom had been a youth minister. Um, and then I guess you can now say she's a mother minister, like, and just like mm -hmm. really has a heart for sh sharing the, the love of God with others. So now how she, old were you when you were doing all of these things? I mean, uh, this is like from early childhood, first communion age, all the way up through, uh, I guess, first year of high school was down in Archdiocese of Atlanta. And then uh, when I was in uh, going into sophomore year of high school, we moved up to the uh, South Bend area, uh, lived in Michigan. Basically, we slept in Michigan and did everything in Indiana, like <laughs> went to school, went to church in Indiana. And so uh, uh, our parish up in Granger, St. Pius X. And um, yeah, so uh, my my younger years, um, I, I've had a sincere desire to be a saint. I think God planted that within me uh, when I was young. And that stayed pretty constant. There's, you know, 
variations on that, uh, you know, desire as it ebbs and flows some, but like the Lord is like, you're called to greatness. And so I've just like felt that. And uh, reading the lives of the saints, many of them are priests and religious, uh, particularly, um, you know, there have been some more recent canonized married saints, but like the, the ones from yesteryear are predominantly priests and religious. A lot of the so, cool ones yeah. are, are, are priests and missionaries. Yeah, so I don't know. And then, so there, Martyred. Yeah, so there's this uh, perception that you kind of have is like, if you want to be a saint, like be a priest, like kind of, mm. you know. Uh, th there's something to that. I remember writing in my journal when I was, and I, I didn't journal all that much, but I did some. And uh, I wrote, like, it was more likely that I would be Pope than I'd ever get married. Um, and I beat the odds <laughs> and I got <laughs> married. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I think going on through this time a bit um, was, and I think the easiest way to explain this is I recently have attended a trauma training like after COVID-19 and whatnot and they're explaining what happens to people and like kind of PTSD after a traumatic experience and uh I was like can life like growing up <laughs> lead to trauma and like the answer is yes so it's like that the traumatic experience of like early teens and beyond that was uh pretty significant and I developed uh quite a bit of anxiety and kind of OCD mm -hmm. um it was so bad and this is like kind of like theatricals here uh, it was so bad that I would like imagine that little particles of the Holy Eucharist were stuck all over my clothes and so my parents were like you can't receive Holy Communion for a month and I was still worried that like Jesus from a month ago was on my coat over here mm. like so mm. I just had like these really weird OCD things of like oh um you know yeah Jesus ended up here and it, so all these kind of like um anxiety patterns that kind of plugged in here and so that like really um did impacted my discernment story. Yeah. Uh, Does that, that translate into scrupulosity too? I mean, oh yeah. Very oh yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Um, and for anyone who's been down that journey, you know what I'm talking about. And yeah. for anyone who hasn't, you're probably scratching your head like, "What is this guy <laughs> talking about?" Um, yeah. So like uh, OCD, scrupulosity, anxiety. That those were kind of major players. Um, mm. But one of the saving graces I had was uh, frequent confession, which can be challenging when you're dealing with scrupulosity. Um, but priests who were close with the Lord and were able to encourage me on uh, good paths. And uh, in my later years of high school, I got into cycling, which turned out to be a um, really good outlet for all this pent up energy uh, and finding a way to channel it to something like beyond myself. Uh, and so I actually helped start like a uh, cycling team for my siblings and I and some of the local parishioners from St. Pius and Granger sponsored us and we went racing all over the Midwest. Um, and one of the things that I gained from that was like, I wasn't just exercising for myself. I was doing it with my family and like a community setting. And I was learning how to do something that transcended myself. And I feel like it was a training in how to give myself away. Like I love endurance sports because at the end you're just like totally spent mm -hmm. like the pieta is one of like my favorite images of like what a man's life should look like at the end of the day or at the end of his life where it's like mm -hmm. i gave everything um dog tired and here's where i am and yeah. then like the mother mary's like i'll catch you mm -hmm. and uh so like the endurance sport like kind of allowed me to like physically feel like what does it feel like to like give everything you have yeah. and i think uh a desire grew within me through all that to truly give of myself, not just in sport, but like in life as a whole, like the, the greatness, the sainthood that God 
is calling me to and God willing, he'll, he'll work through all the mess that I am to make that happen. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, how were you able besides, you know, the cycling and everything like that mm -hmm. to kind of overcome the OCD? Cause I think sometimes, especially when we're looking at a vocation, we can get a little bit scrupulous of figuring out, you know, where is God calling me? And mm -hmm. then we can, I don't know, again, people who have OCD or have a tendency to do it is just to overthink about everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could mm -hmm. be something as simple. Did I shut the basement lights off? Did I <laughs> shut the basement lights off? I need to go check and you yeah. check and then you leave and then you're like, I don't remember. Did I, I need to check it again, mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think we could do that with our vocation sometimes is like, you know, I think God said he wanted me to be a priest. I think God said that, but I don't want to be a priest, but I think he said mm -hmm. I wanted to be a priest, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. you want to explain that a little bit, you know, if in your life and what happened? Right. For things like this, there's no simple explanation. It's more like a life story and how like God uses little things to like lead you beyond. Um, I think for me, a very formative time. So like I was homeschooled. Uh, we got to know people at our parish. We were very involved there. Um, but in, in college, I got to spend a lot of time with other young people my age, young people who were searching, who had aches in their heart for fulfillment to like understand what is God calling me to. I fell in with like, there, there's a strong uh, Catholic community at the University of Notre Dame where I was studying. And I felt like the Catholicism there like was healthy in the sense where it wasn't like one brand versus another, it was just like kind of like the Catholic faith. And um, and uh, so just being on retreats, being part of prayer groups there, uh, and honestly just like, uh, I called it winning the dining hall, where you sit down and do a meal and you talk for the next three hours until the staff is like, okay, we're closing down, you need to leave. <laughs> and I call that winning the dining hall. And those conversations <laughs> were just like food for my soul. Yeah. Um, and like really taught me so much about young people and allowed me and my friends to kind of discover like, what is the Lord calling us to? And um, mm. so I, I very much cherished uh, those times and um, the, those conversations and those friendships that and the, the faith community that the Lord allowed me to have there. So that was extremely formative. Um, and, uh, and then I graduated and I was like, what do I do with this theology degree I have? I'm not getting paid <laughs> to be a professional cyclist and I need to do something. And then, uh, I ended up at old St. Pat's Catholic church in Ann Arbor as the youth director, uh, director of religious education running RCIA and then started a young adult ministry while I was there with some of the young adults. Um, so it was a, a unique experience. If we had a faith formation team gathering, I, I could just sit there with my coffee and think good thoughts about what parish ministry would look like because like that was the team pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, But the, all those stories uh, and friendships kind of like led me, you know, to being uh, over here in Ann Arbor. And that's eventually where I met uh, the Pelican family and got to know Father David and his sister and getting involved with the parish community there. So that's kind of like where the story transitioned. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. back up just for a little bit, though. Yeah. So in high school and in college, was the thought of priesthood there? In high school, 100% yes. Um, but I, looking back, I would say a lot of it came back to fear of facing uh, my sexuality and coming to understand what does this mean? And what does it mean to like live this in a healthy way? Yeah. And so I think my like feeling called towards the priesthood, like obviously there's a desire for the, the, the goodness of the vocation and like the, the, the greatness, like God calls priesthood, uh, priest to, 
Uh, but I, I, looking back, I think a lot of it was like, I don't want to have to deal with this. If I am a priest, then I can just like ignore it, which is mm -hmm. terrible advice. You know, like not a good way of thinking mm -hmm. about this. But I think in my mind, that's a lot of what was happening. Yeah. So did you also feel that priesthood was tied up in your salvation as well? I think a lot of guys sometimes think, well, if God's calling me to the priesthood and I don't want to be a priest and I want to be married, is somehow my life going to be a failure? And, and somehow am I uh, shirking my responsibility and losing actually my salvation? I don't know quite that fatalistic, but I think it was more having this fear of, is God calling me to be a priest? Um, and it was even hard to discern, like, do I want to be married? Because uh, there was so much fear tied up in there, and it was, like, traumatic to even think about it. Uh, and so, like, there was a lot of um, just, like, space the Lord had to create within all that to allow for, like, grace to grace to fill it to be able to say, okay, yeah, this mm -hmm. is where the Lord's calling me. Mm -hmm. um, and when, when you were in college... Mm -hmm. uh, well, so I'm, I'm guessing these these three hour dining room <laughs> conversations yeah, yeah. kind of uh, helped you just think through all this. What was what was your prayer life like in college, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I would say daily mass was common. Um, probably praying rosary on the way home. Like so, I lived at home and commuted to school, which is unusual for the university, sure, sure. Day, but I did it. And uh, and uh, so things like that. Uh, and then uh, there was. My senior year, I was dating a young woman from uh, St. Mary's, and she was someone who like hungered, like needed time with Jesus in the Eucharist. And, like I've been to Eucharistic adoration, spent time in chapels and uh, all that, but it was like her life didn't make sense if she didn't spend time with Jesus. And it kind of like made me turn my head a little bit and be like, "What's what's this about?" And it was like mm -hmm. something like really beautiful. And uh, particularly when I finished college and moved beyond like the desire to spend time with Eucharist and like loneliness and heartache and where's the Lord calling me that became very common of like mm. Lord you have to fix this this is mm. you know uh there's a lot of ache here yeah can you feel it well I mean that's the first part of our vocation anybody's vocation right mm -hmm. is to know God and to love God with all your heart mind and soul yeah. and if you know you're looking for a you know your vocation to the priesthood yeah you should be doing Eucharistic adoration mm -hmm. If you're looking to get married, yeah, you should be doing mm -hmm. Eucharistic yeah. adoration. It's yeah. it's something that you need to be doing, and you know, thankfully, of course, we have you know this this these three years of just yeah. extra focus yes. on on, on yeah. the Holy Eucharist. Um, go find the Lord, and, mm -hmm. and you'll find your specific vocation. So it seems like that had a, a big impact on you. This your girlfriend who was seeing the Lord daily in, mm -hmm. in adoration. Yep, and. Uh, I guess I would also say uh, I learned a lot also of like going through a breakup then following that. Um, yeah, that one wasn't my sister. Yeah. So I think my sister loves the Lord too, but. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, but it, like it was a thing where, um, you know, like the Lord is able to work through situations where uh, maybe you have one plan in mind and he has another and it's hard to see in the moment. And, uh, and so like I show up at old St. Pat's and like my heart's pretty much smashed to smithereens and the Lord's like, go serve my people. I'm like, there's nothing to give. And he's like, well, then give that. And, um, and so there was a lot of that I learned through being able to give even when I didn't feel filled myself. 
And uh, I think the Lord really blessed that and uh, taught me a great deal about like what it means to be faithful even when you don't want to be like yeah, when you don't feel yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Explain that a little bit more. What were you doing? Because I think, you know, that leads to a vocation as well of yeah, giving yeah, yeah. of yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so I was like the, you know, working in parish ministry, which is pretty all encompassing. Uh, parish life is busy. I, y'all yeah. as priests know this, but even in lay ministry, it's true. It's hard to um, have a job description. Can you do a little <laughs> bit of everything? Yeah. And like the only, the only way to get away was to like leave town. Because then, yeah. like, if someone said, I need this, you're like, well, I'm two hours away. I can't help you right now. Um, but uh, so, th- you know, there was so much good that was happening, like spending time with Jesus in adoration, going to daily mass, you know, leading youth group, teaching RCIA, helping with religious catechism. And then I was even, like, going and visiting, like, the local nursing home, singing for the residents there. So it's, like, all these, like, I guess you'd call, like, saintly things to do. But it's, like, I'd go home at night and just feel so empty. Uh, and there's like a real like longing of like, Lord, what is the more that you're calling me to? Um, and so that was a very challenging time of like just having to wait. And uh, there's a conversation I had with a mom at Old St. Pat's. Um, I don't know that her family like regularly went there, but for whatever reason, I started sharing some of this and her response was like so warming and affectionate. And she's like, yeah, I, like, I went through that too. It'll be all fine. Like she was just like <laughs> so confident that like, not that she was dismissing everything I was feeling. Like she acknowledged it, but it was also like, it's not a big deal. Like God's going to work through this and it'll all make sense. And I was like, you did not seem very concerned at all. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, as I'm yeah. experiencing this. Um, Which is amazing for yeah. a young man to be doing so many different things mm-hmm. for God and his church. I yeah. mean, going to yeah. the nursing home yeah. and, and singing. For <laughs> yeah. It's not something that would have been on my top priority list, especially if I didn't feel God and if I felt so empty, I'd be, mm-hmm. you know, jamming out to Radiohead. And, you know, <laughs> well, um, I so I mean, it sounds yeah. a little bit like Mother Teresa, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta. I mean, if you read her book, Come Be My Light, she, yeah. like for mm-hmm. the last 20 years, I think, some somewhat long time, she did not feel God at all. Yeah. But yet most That's people true. knew her as like one of the most yeah. faithful and holy people there was, but she had no... Yeah, no consolation. It was definitely a time of growth that you know, like, <laughs> don't wish upon anyone, sure, sure, sure. you know, because it just uh, it's painful. Um, and uh, it was like the Jubilee year of mercy. So like 2016. And uh, so that's part of why I was going to the nursing home. I wanted the free grace of the plenary <laughs> indulgence. I was like, bring it on. If all I got to do is go visit the nursing home, I'll do it. Um, and then I like went on a trip to Montreal and went through five Jubilee doors in one day. Like, wow. yeah, Montreal was like, we'll put a Jubilee door everywhere. I was like, bring it on. There you <laughs> it's go. It's like, I need it all. <laughs> what nice. I like about nice. the story is, is that you were searching. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who know that God <laughs> is calling them to do something, but they just don't do anything. And that's a, it's a convenient yeah. way to say, oh, man. I don't know my vocation and I just stall in it. But you're, yeah, you're, sure. you're going to Jubilee doors because you're like, I want that grace. Mm-hmm. And I want God to show up. And I mean, we know the Bible passage, knock and the door will be open. Yes. Seek yep. and you will find, you know, ask, you shall receive. But it took a while. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would also, one other big player in this time was I, I went to World Youth Day, also in the Jubilee Year of Mercy in Poland. Mm. And that was a really powerful experience at the Universal Church. Um, it was my first time going. 
I'm with the young adult group. And uh, some of the messages of the Holy Father there like have stuck with me. Uh, he, he told the young people not to be, uh, uh, not to seek sofa happiness, which mm. is like uh, just wanting a nice comfy armchair with a massage unit that like can like anesthetize us. So that way we can just sit there comfortably. And he's like, go do something with your life. Um, and he's like, mm. dream bigger than that. And he, he said, like, it is beautiful to see all that restlessness in you. And I was like, have you ever felt it? It's terrible. <laughs> and uh, so I think, like, that captures so much of, like, what I was experiencing. And it, I guess I would kind of say, like, high school and even college was kind of a preparation for, like, a lot of real discernment that happened because I, I was living on my own. And so I just had more silence, more prayer time than I've, like, ever had in my life. And I would just, mm -hmm. like, because of, like, all the loneliness in my heart, I'd be like, going to the chapel because I know Jesus is there and he can't run away. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I just like be there with him. And uh, so looking back, it's like a beautiful time. Sure. In the moment, there's a, there's a good deal of pain, you know, that was in, intertwined there. Kind of like the Israelites, you know, in the desert, they're grumbling <laughs> and complaining, like, why did you bring us into this worthless land? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they get to the promised land and they look back on it as like a time of fondness, like, wow, God was really at work in our lives then, mm -hmm. you know, teaching us to trust him. So, yeah. A little bit of a, a desert experience. So you brought up the uh, artwork and like, could you take a painting home? And I almost mentioned something then, but I saved it for now because All right, right. <laughs> here we go. A little time. So we got a planner here. I, I this went, is awesome. <laughs> I went to the Detroit Museum of Art with a couple guy friends, and uh, I I honestly found found it like a desert. Like I went in, and like nothing spoke to me. Wow. And it was like kind of a discouraging experience. Like I'm I'm very physically oriented. I love pilgrimage. I love endurance sports, and like just like yeah. And so like the slow pace, like looking at images, is at least a purgatory for me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but then there was this one image that like cut straight through all the way to my heart. And uh, it was an image uh, of Saint uh, Elizabeth of Hungary. Mm -hmm. And she had woken up early and had gone to the chapel and the door was locked. And so she's like pressed up against the door. Yep, I know exactly. Oh, and it's, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. image. It's on the uh, third floor on the, oh, in yeah. the hallway. Yeah. And so like that one spoke straight to my heart and I was like, I get it. And I was like, that like explained what I was feeling. And then this came back even stronger, um, probably a year or so later when I was then engaged to Valerie. And I had, had given a work presentation at a Catholic high school um, for the March for Life pilgrimage. And then I was like going to the chapel just to say hi to Jesus. And I go to the door and it was locked. And then it was like that image rushed back to me. And it was like this longing for Jesus was like, that image and me like going to the chapel like very well explained like what engagement feels like mm -hmm. and it's just like you're pressed up against the door of like i'm trying to get close but i can't mm -hmm. uh, or like this is as close as i can get and so like it was a, an amazing time of like a piece of artwork and my life experience like all coming together and then i eventually wrote a poem about it because it was just like there's certain moments in life where it's like only a poem can express it but yeah that's the you story. Do you have it memorized? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, nice. so let's go go back a little bit. So now you're um, you're broken. <laughs> you're lonely. You're yeah. going through holy doors. You've <laughs> been, you're summarizing it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Long bike your rides. Girlfriend, yeah, your girlfriend broke up with you. Yeah. Crushed yeah. your heart. Mm -hmm. And then 
how did uh, Valerie come into your life? Mm -hmm. And was priesthood <laughs> still a thought in your head? I would say in college that thought faded largely. Mm. Um, it's not that I wasn't open to it. I just like didn't feel act, like too actively called. I, I visited like a college, uh, a college seminary when I was in high school and I pretty much turned it into a sports camp. I played hockey. I like climbed a mountain. I played soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like folks there had said like I came and I was kicking and screaming. My mom forced me to go and I was like, I knew it was home. And I went there and I was like, it was a fun sports camp. And I, I like didn't get any like go to seminary. And towards the end of my time in Ann Arbor, um, there, there was a time I, I went to confession and uh, the priest was like, this thought's in me. It's like, why isn't this young man in seminary? And I walk out and they had like projection screens in the church, but on the screen it said, do whatever he tells you. And I was like, uh. no. Because <laughs> <laughs> like this yeah. was about the time where I was like, I need, I need to pursue Valerie. I need to uh, get to know her better. Uh, and start uh, dating her. And uh, so, like, this, this is all coming together. And so, like, this is planted in me. And I felt like this, like, it almost felt like a glance from God. And I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, wanted yeah. to run away. I was like, I'm not sure I want to pray anymore because then he might force me to do it. Yeah. And uh, so, this, like, yeah. later came up in marriage prep, uh, <laughs> like, years down the road. Uh, well, before we get yeah. there, like, it, it, Talk about how you met her and, and how did you start dating and, and oh, kind of yeah, go yeah. from was there. It, was it love at first sight? <laughs> so I had <laughs> I had made a pact with myself that I wanted to date anyone at the church I was working at. But <laughs> Valerie overcame that. Um, she was working there, or she was. A she was. There? She started volunteering to teach third grade catechism. Okay. Um, and then we also started a young adult ministry, uh, and then she helped with youth ministry and. Uh, and then, like, your family came and helped with, like, All Saints parties, yeah. Christmas parties um, that we had for, like, young kids. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my dad, coming from the other side of this, my dad would be like, oh, no, John Pratt's calling again. What does he want now? <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was uh, uh, lots uh, happening at the parish. And um, so, honestly, it just began as seeing and admiring like Valerie and like the whole family for their just commitment to, to the parish and to the Lord and friendship uh, there. Um, and then like with the young adult ministry, with her helping at youth group, it began to grow to like real admiration and like deep respect. And I'm like, I really want to get to know her better. Mm -hmm. um, and so eventually got to the point where I was like, I need to pursue her. Um, and so I was talking with uh, my spiritual director. So I, I was blessed with a good priest guiding me soon after my time, about my time at World Youth Day. I started mm. meeting with him somewhat regularly. And he invited me, uh, he asked me to pray um, to the Holy Spirit to give me some encouragement uh, to pursue this relationship. And uh, I was like, well, one thing's for sure, it's not coming from Valley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it did. Uh, she sent a, uh, um, she had helped with an event and then she ended up sending a thank you note uh, that included in it a return of the respect I had for her and the admiration I had for her. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, like this is a confirmation from God so that awesome. he's asking me to go this way. Um, and so that was a, um, I guess a really powerful experience, but it honestly just began as like friendship and like serving other people mm -hmm. uh, at the church together. Um, and so by the time we started like going out together, 
we we already knew each other pretty well and kind of knew what we were searching for which is great is i mean you mentioned a couple of things here mm-hmm. and i don't mean to cut you off but you know like y- you went to college seminary to see what it was like and mm-hmm. it was sports camp for you <laughs> <laughs> and that's great yeah. i mean like yeah. <laughs> we got discernment weekends guys listen we have discernment weekends we got one in january and we got one in i think march or february i can't remember yeah. come to it if you're gonna stay at the seminary for four days and you come here and you're like i hate that i can't see myself there mm-hmm. well then maybe god's not calling you to yeah. the priesthood <laughs> yeah. you know if you enjoyed that you got to play ping pong with the guys and ultimate frisbee but nothing else then good right that's that's more information that can help you out but if you find that you don't want to leave well then maybe that's the next step you don't need to have Mm -hmm. all the steps and then secondly as you mentioned john that you know like when you started discerning a relationship with a woman it was actually with a real woman that you actually (laughs) had (laughs) that you actually had a shot with right like it's not like this perfect ideal woman out in the cosmos somewhere and you she's gonna show up somewhere and Mm -hmm. you're just gonna know it but you're looking you know and i would i would assume for a while because you you recognize that you needed to pursue her Mm -hmm. that you started thinking about what life would like would be like with her for the Mm -hmm. rest of your life and you started actively discerning even kind of before you were dating about is this the type of person Mm -hmm. that i want to be with for the rest of my life and i I mean isn't that what dating is all about right and i don't know i went off on a tangent no no it's great it's great no it's it's really important uh and there's a document from the usccb uh that has this beautiful quote that's kind of stuck to me and i'd give it to any young man considering like pursuing a relationship and it said a young man must take risks to win the heart of a woman and it's like something that's true of dating but also like also true of just like marriage in general like you're not supposed to just get married and then like go into autopilot like you have to continually pursue each other to like authentically Mm -hmm. live the vocation of marriage well um and uh, so i think that's just a beautiful quote and a challenge to a young man considering the vocation of marriage and then what you said about you have to discern marriage in the concrete i think Mm -hmm. uh you don't marry an idea you marry a person and uh, and so like that's what the whole process of dating uh, like is helpful for, and like in in my story, uh, there there were young women I dated who helped me discover that yes I'm called to marriage but not to them, and uh, mm-hmm. and so like when I finally started dating Valerie it was like quickly became evident like she's the this one for the me one. yeah mm-hmm. I, it didn't take. Uh, uh, too much for us to be like, no, this this is really good, and we yeah. want more of this, and not we ju- want a whole lifetime together, and not just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you would think that, like, like you said, you've had examples of what marriage might be, and you knew you were not called to these particular women, mm-hmm. but when the right woman showed up, mm-hmm. you knew, mm-hmm. and it, and it's hard to explain that to another person that you know you just know that you'll know that you're called to this particular path of life because this person as you pursue them or is going to pursue you as well just as god will pursue a man to the priesthood as well but mm-hmm. it's it's a relationship i mean both mm-hmm. yeah and it takes work and there's oh, sacrifice yeah. in all of it and mm-hmm. the grass is not greener on the other side <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. as hard and if yeah. not harder especially if you're not called to it so yeah yeah so okay so now you're now you're dating yeah 
what did the dating process look like? I mean, did you go to the Pelican household and have Thanksgiving <laughs> and meet all the sisters uh, and Father David took you and sh showed you his pig's Christmas and <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I was gone at seminary, so I heard a lot of these stories uh, kind of secondhand about this mm -hmm. fellow John. And uh, um, yeah, well, go ahead. Share your yeah, side. Yeah. I got a story or two from, from <laughs> RM that I can share too. But. That's great. Uh, yeah, so spent a good deal of time uh, with Valerie and the whole family. I came from a large homeschooling family like uh, the Pelicans. And so uh, I guess I just felt comfortable at her family's home. Um, and uh, so just got to know her in that context. Um, and then we also had a group of friends who helped like with ministry things and were part of the young adult group. So sometimes we organized young adult dances or we go out bowling together. And so, like, having a community to, like, spend time together in was really good. And then we'd also go on little adventures together, go to Mass together, go ice skating. That was one of our favorite things to do was go was ice skating. was something in the neighborhood was uh, all-day volleyball? Was it volleyball? Oh, we play a lot of I, volleyball in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Val was into volleyball, though. You you probably would have played some volleyball with yeah, we the We did the a bit. Um, I think around the time that really got going, um, I, I moved yeah. to Fort Wayne. So now you're dating, you're doing all yeah. this stuff. Father yeah. David's got something to say here. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I just, one, I hope you don't mind me sharing. Go for it. But I think you gave a presentation at, at a youth group or something. You know <laughs> where I'm going, going with oh, this? Is a, it okay? It's a lovely it's, story. Okay. <laughs> I can share my side too. <laughs> so I don't know what happened in this presentation. I don't know what was actually shared, but Valerie was already dating John and Valerie and Angela, another one of my sisters, and maybe Mary too, came home somehow convinced that you had been to prison. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I, maybe there was an image or something, like with bars or something. Anyways, they heard wrong, but they thought you'd been to prison, and they told mom that. And she's like, what for? You know, are you sure you want to date this guy? <laughs> kind of. But, but they didn't say anything more. And so John was at uh, our house later on playing Euchre, was it? Yeah. And, and uh, just made an offhand comment like, I forget what it was, but you're, you, someone asked, like, where'd you learn to play euchre? And I said, like, in a prison, in prison. cell or something <laughs> like that. I was just like. <laughs> and mom heard it, and she thought he was just being serious. Um, and oh, so wow. so for a long while, um, uh, our family thought that John had been to prison. We didn't quite know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Valerie asked you about it. Do you yeah, want to so, share that yeah, part of it? So we're driving down Interstate 69 South. <laughs> and uh in michigan on like the way to see my family and she's like i have this question M mom thought i should ask it like, <laughs> i'm like where is she going with this like she never starts anything like that. and she says have you ever been to prison i, I like, nearly swerved off the freeway at that point it's like what it's like who thinks that she's like my whole family I was like, what? <laughs> and uh sure enough it came out and so i <laughs> We we told all this to the family, but I really should have saved it for like the April Fool's Day the next year, like after we got <laughs> married and been like, so do you want to hear one of my prison stories? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> wasn't true. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So I don't entirely know what it was. <laughs> I had gone to visit a prison, like to tour one with like a um, to kind of meet a chaplain at one. So I don't know if that was it or something else. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a That's unique funny. experience of. Okay, so, yeah. um, so how did you know when did you propose or did she yeah. propose? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. It's another good story. I did. Um, 
Were you more traditional? Did you ask uh, dad <laughs> beforehand? Did I you did. Could... I did. Yes. Someone was um, making that difficult for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, let's see. So it's a lot of this ties in. I think this is also important to mention of, I was working at a parish and uh, I was like, I want to marry Valerie, but years down the road. And then I heard that the diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend was hiring a director of youth ministry for the diocese. And I was like, I could do that. And then, so I got hired and I was like, we could start a family. And then, so like two weeks into my job, I'm like, hey boss, do you mind if I leave early today and come in late tomorrow? And he's like, who is this guy who's like leaving work <laughs> early and coming back late? And then I come back and I'm like, I'm engaged. And he's like, okay, it was worth it. But <laughs> yeah, the, the story goes, um, I uh, reached out to, um, I was coming up to visit and uh, I was trying to ask her dad, like, permission to marry her. It's a blessing to marry her. And it's a little challenging to find time one-on-one -on -one with Mr. Pelican because there's lots of kids around <laughs> all the time. And so I was, like, setting up in their garage to do an oil change. And I was like, this will work great. The only problem was David, Father David, was over there. I was also home that day. Yeah, and he was working in the, in the barn. And I was, like, getting all annoyed. I was like, you need to clear out of here. So then finally... <laughs> Mr. Pelican steps away and starts going back towards the house. And I like run after him. I was like, hey, can I marry your daughter? And uh, he said, said that would be great. Um, and so then a few days later, I uh, come back up. And uh, finding an engagement ring was a truly traumatic experience for me. You have no experience with jewelry as a guy. And nope. then you're supposed to go and buy this ring that your wife's going to wear for the rest of her life. And... Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I got one eventually. And uh, so came up and uh, my, again, my spiritual director had encouraged me to pray for guidance for a simple and beautiful way to propose to her. So I did it my way. <laughs> and uh, we, we went on a little bike ride, rollerblade excursion. I was rollerblading, she was biking. And then, um, and then we went to the St. Joseph's, the Pious Union of St. Yeah. Joseph where her family goes to daily mass all the time. And uh, so I met her there, uh, like, like went there to pray. And, uh, and then I asked her to sit down in the back in the like gathering space facing the altar. And I had a, a bucket, uh, a thing of water. And I asked her to take her shoes off and she's like, you're a nut. <laughs> and then I washed her feet, told her I wanted to love her as Christ loves the church. And then I pulled a engagement ring out of my, uh, gym shorts and sweaty t-shirt <laughs> and asked her to marry me and she said yes and then we were very happy and have been happy since it's <laughs> awesome it's, yeah that's really awesome i mean that's beautiful to, to really think about it i want to love you mm -hmm. like christ loves the church i mean that's the image of marriage yeah you know yeah. you know I, I mention that usually in my homilies when i go to parishes and talk about the vocation of marriage. I mean, I talk about all, but like when Adam slept, what came forth from his side was Eve. Yep. He said, at last, bone of my bone mm -hmm. and flesh of my flesh. So the new Adam, Jesus yep. Christ, yep. when he slept on the cross, what came forth was blood and water of the church, the two shall become one. That your marriage is an image of God's love for his church. Yeah. That's beautiful, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's awesome. I'm almost getting chills here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But before um, all happiness and thews, yeah. you had some marriage prep. What happened in marriage <laughs> prep? <laughs> well, I could tell you from the story. Uh, so <laughs> I may have shared this already. Yes. <laughs> no, that's pretty great. So 
You know, so I think one of the biggest confirmations I received of my marriage vocation was the confidence of Valerie that this is what she was called to. Mm. And like, so when a, a priest is called to priesthood, the church has to call him. He doesn't just decide I'm getting ordained and then he goes and gets ordained like the, the mm -hmm. church has to call him. And like, I guess similarly in marriage, you can't just decide I'm marrying you and then the other person has no say. And so like her confidence of like, this is what I'm called to was really helpful. Mm. So like- uh, Same with guys with the church and, yeah. and priesthood. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if the church is like, keeps on letting you move on in the seminary. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. confirmation. It's a good yeah. confirmation. Yeah. So uh, we, we were progressing through, you know, time of engagement. And uh, at our second or third meeting with um, Father Dan. Um, so that's getting pretty close. Yeah. So I think we were, I think this was like January and our wedding was June. So like six okay. months out. Yeah, yeah. We've been engaged a while, planned a lot of it already. And uh, the the nagging feeling from that confession experience I told you of the priest being like, why aren't you in seminary going and seeing the sign, do whatever he tells you. And then feeling like yeah. I stopped praying as much because I didn't want God to tell me you're going to be a priest. And so he had, I think the bishop called him during our meeting. So he had to step out. And then I like tell Valerie, like, I'm running from being a priest. And she's just like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, like, it was like this like overpowering feeling of like, no, I'm, I'm running from, and I like, I guess I got to go figure this out. And so Father Dan comes back in. He's like, anything else on your mind? And we kind of look at each other. I'm like, well, here it goes. <laughs> like, I'm running from being a priest. And like this story happened. He kind of just looks at me and he looks at Valerie. And again, with that like same confidence that that mother had had for me years before he's just like Valerie John's not meant to be a priest and she goes I know <laughs> <laughs> and uh so like that that I guess angst didn't entirely wane but I do think bringing it to the light really dispelled the power of it yeah. and then in the weeks and months following getting married there's there's a certain like finality of like well married now like yeah. <laughs> have to say yes to, you know, the, the vocation the Lord's called me to. But that was a, um, a challenging part of discernment. And, uh, but I do think bringing it to the light, having a spiritual director and praying about it, but then also like when you've like made a commitment, the Lord blesses that. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not like, like I'm married and like, so I'm called to be married. I'm called discernment to be a husband. Over, yeah. yeah, it's like to say yes and like every day. And it's like, it won't always be easy. Sometimes you might have, you know, concerns come up, but the Lord, the Lord really does bless. And like, there's grace in the sacrament, and it's really true. Living out your marriage faithfully, mm -hmm. grace is poured into yeah. your life, your yeah. lives together, yeah. into yeah. your family. One of those graces of married life, or maybe one of those more <laughs> difficult moments of saying yes. You were sharing with me uh, last night. Uh, we <laughs> took a nice walk around the neighborhood around two in the morning as a family. <laughs> Two in the morning. Two in the morning. No one else was out. It was very peaceful. Well, except for <laughs> crying kids. Um, yeah. So like the, I don't know. So like going with you to the anointing you're called and you're like, yep, I got to go. But like as parents, we receive daily. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite anointing calls, but it's like kid needs help. Got to feed them, change their diaper. Like yeah. that's just the, the yeah. daily grind. But I think what I have been so amazed with, with the vocation of marriage is that I don't ask myself, is this worth it? Like you, you do by grace and sometimes you reach the end and you win, even if you win, which is very rare, but even yeah. if you win, you go back and the next day you're just yourself again with all those same restless questions on your heart. Because when you're married, uh, and it's not that every question fades, but it's like there's true meaning. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. uh, to what you're doing. And I think more than like happiness or pleasure, I wanted meaning and fulfillment in life. Um, and uh, and so like the vocation of marriage and all the waking up at two in the morning to take the kids for a walk around the neighborhood to get them back to sleep or whatever it looks like on any given day. There's meaning and fulfillment. And meaning and fulfillment, yeah. even if there is the cross. Yeah. Um, and so just being willing to just accept the changes that come because like dating has its own fun and excitement and like you're just getting to know each other there's excitement to there but it's nowhere near as good as being married although marriage can turn humdrum if you're not careful and if you don't keep the lord at the center and if you don't like constantly seek and pursue each other anew yeah um and so like getting settled in while that happens somewhat that you always have to be asking the lord what is the more you're calling me to and then more recently, I've been feeling urged by God of like, so I had like all this desire to pursue my vocation. And more recently, he seems to be placing on my heart of like, okay, like what's, what's the, what's the more he's calling me to within the vocation. Yeah. And I don't know if I know quite yet what, what that is, but he started, never stops. He started stirring yeah. things yeah. up where it's like, okay, yeah. like get ready for the next whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it never stops. Yeah. And I think our culture wants to say that, you know, live a life of ease and that's where you'll find happiness. And it's not. It's a bad idea. (laughs) What what did you call it? Sofa? Sofa Sofa happiness? Yeah. Yeah. Sofa happiness. That's Pope Francis right there. You want fulfillment. You want meaning. Take on a responsibility and live that as as one who, you know, kneels before the king, kneels before his wife and washes her feet, Mm -hmm. kneels before the bishop and gives his obedience. I mean... That's where you're going to find fulfillment. And you can sit around and watch TV, play PlayStation all day long, or do whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy by just living for yourself. You're going to be absolutely miserable. Yeah. So in my high school and college years, I noticed that when I played video games, it would like shut my brain off and like the anxiety would kind of fade while I was doing that. But I I was like, this is not the best way because it's just postponing everything mm. that you're dealing with mm-hmm. yeah i found hardcore exercise at least for me to be a better outlet for that but i think the best is having like a true meaning and mission in your life because uh, when you're like do i do this anxiety tick or take care of my two-year-old that's crying over there yeah. <laughs> like gen- generally the two-year-old wins and so suddenly you stop saying no to all these like anxiety things you were doing if you're being faithful to your vocation and like at least the lord use the vocation of marriage to heal a lot of the anxiety that had plagued me so it's like it's, it wasn't like an instant thing and it's still still there somewhat but he definitely has used my wife my vocation as a way of healing me in a, a truly incredible way yeah that's awesome yeah that's great yeah this was a great conversation really appreciate your story and sharing all of it with us Thank i think you. uh this was a, a good thing to do. I mm-hmm. think uh, Father David came yeah. up with the idea, and he's like, <laughs> I want to interview my brother-in-law. I think it will be good. Because, I, yeah. I mean, I think all of us, you know, want what's good, and we know that marriage is good, and we know that priesthood is good. Yeah. And, and how yeah. do you choose between two goods? Well, mm-hmm. God will guide you if yeah. you faithfully seek him out. Yeah. I think everybody on one level is searching, right? And yeah. everybody on some level knows that it's not just what's easy, right? They want something more than that. They want they want meaning, purpose, fulfillment. And uh, and ultimately asking that question of like, what has the Lord created me for? 
yeah. right? You'll find that, you know. It won't be easy every day, right? You might yeah. have to get up at 2 a.m. You, know? <laughs> you might have to do that with us, too. I actually heard the phone go off last night. I think Father Bob had a, had a call in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but there's, a, there's a purpose, right? And you yeah. know why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, I'll just share one thing. I, uh, we were talking about this this morning. Um, John sent me a while back a video. It's called Know Your Why. <laughs> John, maybe you can explain a little better. It's a comedian, right? Yeah, so it's Michael Jr. Okay. And uh, he's asking one of his participants to sing Amazing Grace. And he was like a music teacher. So he goes through yeah. and sings Amazing Grace and he does a nice job. Yeah. And then he basically asks him to do like, no, no, like, <laughs> like the Southern hood. Yeah. Like, you know the kind I'm talking yeah. about. Like, the, like you the just got out of prison. Power. You're singing yeah. for your brother who's, yeah. you know, incarcerated or whatever. And, and he, yeah. Yeah. And so then he does it. But like with and it's incredible, like just like kind of gospel style, amazing grace with all this just passion and like enthusiasm and like the whole the whole crowd goes crazy. But what the comedian uh, Michael Jr. was saying is like knowing why you're doing what you're doing yeah. impacts everything that you do. And um, so I don't know. I think I think that can be yeah. really helpful. Uh, in my, ministry, purpose, in my ministry, in my ministry, but also like day to day life vocation. of like, um, and I think being in a vocation, I, I share with my spiritual director. I was like, I feel like, like there's like so much mess in my life that just like seemed to just dissipate when I got married. And he was kind of like, yeah, kind of happens. And not that like being in a vocation solves everything. It doesn't, but it does provide a trajectory a direction and a possibility of giving all of yourself because until mm-hmm. I'm married I can't give all of myself in the way I can when I'm married and like now it's total gift and there's no going back and so you got to yeah. make the most of fully giving of yourself in every way imaginable and um, and so there's something truly beautiful about being able to give yourself until you've made that commitment you can't fully give yeah. Yeah. and so like there's always like this restlessness until one has like given um, and then is able to like receive everything the Lord has in store. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a similar, similar phenomenon in, in seminary. We always say God hasn't called us to be seminarians. <laughs> you know? It's like, it, it's like something changes once you're a priest and you're actually out there. You're like, this is, this is what it was all for, right? Mm-hmm. This is the purpose. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Mr. John Pratt, uh, and giving us your vocation story and, and, and where God led you to where you're now now and part of the Pelican family or <laughs> Valerie's part of the Pratt family. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a great honor. Yeah. Uh, it's been joy every day. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Well, yeah. Thanks for having thanks, me. Yeah. Thanks for driving up and, and being with us today. Yeah. Father David, you want to lead us out with a prayer? Sure. Let's do that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we entrust ourselves to you, each one of us, all those who will listen to this podcast. Um, may you give us clarity in discerning our vocation, um, or if we've if we've discerned our, our vocation, uh, joy and um, and great meaning and purpose in living it out. Um, I pray in particular for for the young men who are listening to this, who might be thinking about the priesthood, um, you know, maybe discerning between that and marriage. Lord, that you would give them great clarity, but even more than that, courage, uh, courage to follow the Lord wholeheartedly wherever he calls them. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. 
Join me every month, Father Craig Garrow. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese and sometimes apotrophamilias, and <laughs> answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.